Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. We're going to read a moment in a moment a text that says suddenly there was a sound. And the word suddenly there in the Greek literally means unexpectedly. Expectation is a powerful thing. But I think many times Christians mistake expectation for prediction. Are y'all looking and listening to me? I know there's some movement here, but hello out there. Many times we replace expectation with prediction like we already know what's going to happen. And when God does a sudden thing, he removes the element of prediction from your mind. Because it's not your thing. If you could predict it, then you can make it happen. And what I ask God to do is remove any element of fabrication or manipulation from any of our services today on the day of Pentecost. And I said, Lord, do something. As a matter of fact, this was my vocabulary to God. I expect the unexpected. Right? I expect you to do something unexpectedly. And when God does that, it's sovereign, it's spontaneous, and it is life-changing. God is good. I was thinking about moves of God specifically in Oklahoma. It's important to know where you are, not just why you are. It's important to know where you are. And where we are is in a, what we call the Bible belt of our nation. I say that we're in the buckle of the belt. Since the 60s, it seems as though God has started stuff here in the heart that spread to the West Coast, to the East Coast, but in the heartland, in the heart of this nation, great things have been initiated in the spirit. When you talk about Kenneth Hagin, Oral Roberts, Carlton Pearson, and the list goes on and on from Oklahoma. Two things this state is known for is oil, and wind. I told someone the other day that sometimes I just want to speak to the wind and tell it to leave me alone. Because the wind here blows so consistently that it almost, Pastor Dick was here not long ago, he said the wind is getting on my nerves. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, 
And before I read it, I'm going to say one more thing. This came to me when I was driving here today. Be careful how you treat Pentecost. Because you do not recognize it or respect it does not mean it is not relevant and revelatory. So for you to say, I don't connect with or identify with Pentecostalism or the Pentecostal way does not make it insignificant or unimportant. As, as a matter of fact, we're going to find it's in that atmosphere that the church is birthed with what you look at as emotionalism. It don't take all that. When the church was born, God went out of his way, listen to me, to be demonstrative. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, we could almost quote it, all the Pentecostals in here could. They were all with one accord. And what's the next words? In what? One place. We all know it. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. And now he identifies it as of a rushing, mighty. Welcome to Oklahoma. I'm sure if God did it in this day, it would be in Oklahoma. Because he could work with the wind here. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared, there appeared unto them cloven or divided tongues like as of fire. Boy, and I like this. And it set on them. I heard a preacher preaching the other day on this and he preached a message called sit on me. <laughs> he talked about the Holy Ghost when the Holy Ghost will sit on you. It'll keep you from sinning. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> Verse four. And they were all filled. Here you go. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's a lot of directions I could go right now, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to say the house was filled before they were filled. The room was filled before they were filled. That's why we pray, Lord, come in the room. Lord, fill this sanctuary with your spirit. Every piece of Pentecost is important. I don't want you to lose me today. You still with me? Every piece 
of Pentecost is important. From the day itself to the demonstrative events of Acts chapter 2, every bit of it is significant. I heard the Lord speak to me today and say, do not assume that everyone understands Pentecost. And that hit me hard. Because there was a day you could stand in spirit-filled churches and preach on Pentecost and feel like everyone understood where you were coming from. But not in this day. Everyone does not understand many do not even know about Pentecost, much less understand the day of Pentecost. I thank Leslie for saying that the other day on my Facebook because it's not been really taught. You can't catch what has not been taught. Right? Right? Many of you caught the Holy Ghost because you was taught the Holy Ghost. Now, let me ask a question. Has anyone in this building ever had an experience with the Holy Ghost? If you would say you are Pentecostal or charismatic, spirit-filled, would you make noise here? Just, I just need to see. Okay. All right. Now, I'm, I'm doing that for a reason. Number one, to know how to preach. <laughs> and number two, to show you what the volume of Pentecost is, Holy Ghost is, Spirit-filled people are in the earth. There is over 650 million Pentecostal slash charismatic slash spirit-filled people in the earth. Now, that's no small amount of people. I'm going to say it again. Over 650 million people in the world believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. So before you go off thinking it's strange, you better recognize that there's a lot of people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is said that the average Christian and the average church are somewhere bogged down between, between Calvary and Pentecost. They have been to Calvary for pardon, but they have not been to Pentecost for power. We've built our camp at Calvary, but we've not visited the upper room. Bethlehem means God with us. I don't mean Bethlehem, the word means. That means house of bread. But when you see Bethlehem in scripture, it is God with us. Calvary means God for us. But Pentecost means God 
in us. Bethlehem, God with us. Calvary, God for us. Pentecost, God where? In us. I'm not boring you, am I? I'm trying to educate you. Hmm. The Father creates. The Son redeems. The Spirit empowers. The Father creates. The Son redeems. The Spirit empowers. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Oh, Lord, how much time should I take on this year? I really do not believe you can full receive the full, I use this word a lot and I love this word, the full efficacy, the full revelation of the day of Pentecost until you have an Old Testament understanding of feast. There are three major feasts in the Old Testament. These feasts was a command by God to be celebrated regularly in a synchronized sequence or a regular occurrence. In other words, you didn't have an option about these feasts. These feasts were set. The feast of the Passover, the feast of the tabernacles, and the feast of weeks, also known as Pentecost. We, as Christians, have concentrated all of our institutions accordingly. How? We commemorate the Passover by receiving the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. It means the end gathering by assembling ourselves. But in my opinion, we have been delinquent in our proper acknowledgement and ability to relate how significant and symbolic the day of Pentecost was meant to be to us. Pentecost, the event, whew, at the Feast of Weeks, lasted seven days. It was filled with joy and celebration. It was anticipated. It was something to be excited about. It was seven weeks of seven days. On the 49th day, it ended. But Pentecost means 50. That will preach by itself. 50 is the number of Jubilee. 50 is when everything you lost is returned to you. Jubilee is when you return to your family. I won't preach on Jubilee, but I find it significant that God held to 50 to bring this incredible empowering to his believers. Why do we not celebrate it? Why do we spend so much time on Christmas? We should. So much time on Resurrection Day? We should. And then we 
we breeze through Pentecost like it never happened. And I can tell you why. Because it's too crazy to comprehend. It's a ridiculous act of God. Not in the earth, not with dirt, not an earthquake, but with people. To the point that they're acting drunk. I'll leave it alone. Because some of you are already scared that I'm going to make people get up and turn around and start laying hands on you with a little spit coming out of their mouth. <laughs> First of all, for you to even, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, grasp this, for you to even touch this, you have to believe in the move of the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe in the move of the Spirit, then go ahead and check out now. Pull out your iPad or your telephone and start playing. Because if you do not believe in the move of the Spirit, this is not going to make any sense to you. Now you say, Pastor, why is that important? Because you must believe that God is Spirit. You serve a God that is a spirit. So if you don't believe in the spirit, check out. Now, let me ask it this way. How many of you believe in the spirit? All right, then we can have church. Jesus said, God, John 4, 24, Jesus Christ talking, God is a spirit. Jesus Christ said, God is a spirit. Then he said, and those that worship him must, where? In spirit and in truth. Jesus said, you can't even worship God right if you don't believe in the spirit. Hmm. Many want the truth but they ignore the spirit. We want principles in our life, but we don't want that power in our life. Jesus did not just leave you with principles or beatitudes. He left you with power to teach you how to behave. Bump your neighbor and tell him, come on in the building, come on in here, and suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them tongues like as of fire set on each of them. The birthing of the church came about in a move of God. The church was birthed in a move of God. We hear about moves of God. But have you ever experienced a move of God? Let's get it right. Genesis chapter 1. Y'all not tired, are you? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The very first time you hear of the Spirit of God moving was in the second verse of the entire Bible. God started this thing by moving. Whew. 
It literally means hovering, moving around in the air. The spirit moving over the face of the deep. The spirit anticipating a let from God. The spirit hovering, waiting for God to say, let there be light. The spirit waiting for God to speak to a formless earth full of chaos so that the word could bring cos cosmic to chaos, could bring order to disorder. The spirit is activated when the word is spoken. The spirit moving on people and moving people. I thought, Lord, is this not just fact, but is it truth? Is it scriptural for me to pray, God, move by your spirit? Is it scriptural for me to pray? Or is this simple enough for you? For me to pray, God, move the people by your spirit. Is that legal? Is it scriptural? And the Lord brought me to Judges chapter 6 verse 34. The spirit of the Lord moved upon Gideon. Then he brought me to Judges eleven twenty nine. The spirit of the Lord moved upon Jephthah. Then he brought me to Judges 13, 25. The spirit of the Lord began to move Samson at times. Judges chapter 14, verse 6. The spirit of the Lord moved upon Samson. That's just one book. So now the Lord is beginning to confirm to me that yes, I do move on people and I do move people. So now I feel exousia. Now I feel authority. Now I feel affirmed that we can certainly pray. God, move upon these people today. Lord, move the people today. Lord, move in the building today. Lord, move. What are we praying? Lord, hover up here, around here, in the air. Hover in here. Move in here. Oh, God, and what I preach, let there be light. Lord, let, let the word activate the spirit. And the spirit touch somebody's condition, somebody's circumstance. Heal somebody's disease. Start, you know what? Let's take a moment, throw your hands up and open your mouth and say, move God in this place today. Move God in this place. Now watch this. The church, the church without the moving of the spirit is like Samson shaking himself and nothing happening. Say it again. It ought to be illegal for you to go to church and not have a move of the Spirit. It ought to be illegal for you to go to a church where your church does not pray. Move by your Spirit, oh God. A church without the Spirit is like Samson shaking himself and nothing happening. I learned this, that when the Holy Ghost is not moving, the church begins to substitute a lack of the move of the Spirit of God for, with programs, with lights, with smoke. We begin to substitute because we're not having a move of the Holy Ghost. So we make up programs to satiate everybody with principles. But 
The Bible tells me, I'm going to preach on this here tonight. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Paul told Timothy, be very careful. Because in the last days, there will be a generation that knows the truth, but they deny the power of God. I've been praying, God, bring the power back. Bring the power back where you don't even have to have celebration of recovery because drug addicts get delivered in the altar. Zechariah 4, 6 says it's not by might, not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By the agency of the spirit, through the means of the spirit, by the aid of the spirit, with the help of the spirit, to be sanctioned by the spirit. To be confirmed by the Spirit. To be permitted by the Spirit. To be authorized by the Spirit. To be encouraged by the Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my Spirit, says God. A spiritless church is a church with no power. Luke chapter 2 says there's a man named Simeon. And the Holy Ghost was on him. And verse 27 says, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Greek reads it like this. He was moved by the Spirit to the temple courts. When? When Jesus showed up. People that live by the Spirit have no problem being moved by the Spirit. Hmm. When the Spirit of God moves upon something or the Spirit of God moves on someone, listen to me carefully. It is for the purpose of distinction, empowerment, encouragement, and instruction. Now, I'm going to say that again because you need to let that sink in. When the Spirit of God moves on someone or something, it is for the purpose of distinction. It is for, to make them distinct. It is for the purpose of empowerment, for encouragement, or for direction. We used to have spirit-filled churches. I learned something. There's a difference in the spirit being here and the spirit moving here. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, stop praying, Lord, show up. Holy Ghost said, I'm already there. Listen to me carefully. Holy Ghost said, why would you pray me to, to show up and I'm already here? He said, stop asking me to show up. I inhabit the praises of my people. When we started praising, he came down. He said, start praying, move by your spirit while you are here. Let me ask this. If there are any Pentecostal people ready for a move of God in this earth, Shout it one more time. Move by your spirit, Lord. Move by your spirit. I'm going to show you one more revelation. I'm going to be done. And tonight, we're going to let go and let God. Tell your neighbor, tonight anything can happen. Anything can happen tonight. Yeah, it might be some of that old oil slinging tonight. I remember R.W. Schambach. He never anointed people with a little vial of oil. He carried a bucket of oil. 
and he stuck his whole hand and arm down in the bucket. And he didn't just lay hands on you, he kind of slapped you upside the head. You were going to get it one way or another, but you were going to get touched. <laughs> now I'm going to show you a revelation. I pray that this gets you. The text one more time. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance, we usually quit reading there. Read the rest of it. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every what? Under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Because that every man heard them speak in his own what? Say the word again. One more time. Language. Language means the way people communicate with each other. Simple definition. Language. The way people communicate with each other. When I saw that, I wrote this down. When we really get the Holy Ghost, we will be able to communicate the gospel to people in a way that they can understand it. When you really get the gift of the Holy Ghost, it'll help you communicate the gospel to people in a way they understand it. Language is the way we communicate. People do not understand you standing on a street corner, pointing your finger at them, telling them they go into a devil's hell. They don't understand that. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. When we really get baptized in the Holy Ghost, we will be able as believers to communicate with each other in a way that is uplifting and encouraging. Even our body language will be one of agreement and not confusion. Woo! Language. The way people communicate. Body language. I saw the body of Christ in a slumber this morning. In a sleep. Lackadaisical. Asleep in the light. Sleeping in the spirit. Your body language is communicating to the world. We are as confused as you are. I saw in my mind the body of Christ with her face in her hands. Looking like she does not understand the times that she's living in. If the church does not have the answer then where is the answer going to come from? Wake up, O oh sleeper. Rise from thy rest and let the glory of the Lord shine upon you. So when I saw this, God brought me to Zephaniah. And said to me, Zephaniah knew something. So I read it. 
chapter 3, verse 9, Zephaniah. For then, listen to it carefully, I will restore to the peoples, Hebrew word for nations, a pure what? Say it again. Say it again. A pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him how? Wait a minute. And I will restore to them a pure what? Why would he need to restore it if we didn't lose it? Are y'all still tracking with me? I haven't lost you, right? I'm trying to educate you about Pentecost. If he has to restore it, then we lost it somewhere. I'll show you. Genesis 11. The whole earth had what? The whole earth had one language, one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. They dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And watch this. They had brick for stone, asphalt, mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down. But the Lord came down. What happened in Acts chapter 2? The Lord came down. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that they were building. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one what? Language. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they proposed to do it's going to be withheld from them. Come, let us. Who's God talking to? Come, let us. The Father creates. The Son redeems. The Spirit empowers. These three are one. Let us go down and see what they are doing. This strong stuff. And there we will confuse their what? Language. That they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad all over the face of the earth. And they stopped building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel. Which means confusion. Because there the Lord confused the what? Language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them all over the face of the earth. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff for the sake of time. Tim, in Genesis 11, Geno, in Genesis 11, God did what? Scattered them. In Acts chapter 2, God did what? Gathered them. In Genesis chapter 11, he confused their language. 
In Acts chapter 2, he restored their language. According to Zephaniah, the language could only be restored when they were in one accord. The Lord spoke to me and said, you don't have a power problem, you have a language problem. Y'all gonna miss this right here. The church's language is limiting what I can do in the earth. The church's language is limiting them from what they can do in the earth. Before Genesis 11, there was one language. You better hear that. Before Genesis 11, there was one language, one. And that was heaven's language. Heaven's language is a language of accord and agreement. You can't agree with what you do not understand. That's why anything they imagined themselves to do, they could do because they were in agreement, because they spoke one language, they could understand each other. Woo. When I saw this, my mind started racing. All languages have cuss words. All languages have curse words, but not heaven's language. Y'all just missed that right there. All languages have curse words and cuss words, not heaven's language. We keep asking for a move of God. And God keeps saying, fix your language. Have you read the language of Christians on Facebook? Boy, it's getting quiet because you the one typed it. Have you read the language of believers on social media? Have you heard the language of backbiters in the foyer? Have you heard the language of gossipers at a lunch table? We don't have a power problem. We have a language problem. Why do you think the devil fights agreement so hard? Because he knows if we ever start saying the same thing, if we ever start really uplifting and encouraging instead of backbiting and lying and talking bad about people, God might just show up and blow our mind, but as long as you run in your mouth and calling yourself blood-bought, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, you are stopping the move of God. Look at your neighbor and tell him, fix your mouth, fix your mouth. They didn't hear you. Look at three or four more people and tell them, fix your mouth. Woo. James said it's the tongue that causes great fires. Why do you think God wants to get a hold of our mouth? 
where we lose control of our tongue and he's got complete control of our tongue to the point that out of our belly shall flow rivers of not death water but living water. You ain't going to tell me you baptized in the Holy Ghost one minute and you lying and cheating and trying to, to kill people with your mouth the next minute. You ain't going to tell me that. I'm going to tell you, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. You got a devil living inside of you. Getting quiet now. Woo. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one accord. And in one place, everyone shout language. language. The word accord means to be in harmony. We are not the same person. That's what makes the body beautiful. It doesn't say unison. Accord doesn't mean unison. It means unity at the highest level. Unity at the highest level is not just agreement, it's sound. I do it every time, but I'm going to do it again. Tim, get on this one here, and I just want you to play a note. Play a note, just a note, not a chord, yeah, a note. All right, play the octave to that note. Play them both together. Same note. That, play them both again, that is unison. That is unity. Tim, I want you to take that note and turn it into a chord. That is harmony. The question is, go back to unison, do you want unison or do you want The fact is, we're not all the same. We don't sound the same, but we say the same thing. Boy, y'all just missed that right there. We don't sound the same way, but we say the same thing. And when we get harmony in the house, there's nothing we pray about that we can't have. And God said, I'm going to restore to them a pure language. It happened in Acts chapter 2. They began to speak in other tongues, in other languages. Now, I'm going to tell you my conviction. This is just my theological discourse that's going to last 60 seconds. I believe two things were happening. I believe some of them were praying with stammering lips fluidly in tongues that no one understood. I believe some of them were praying in a tongue they never spoke. That was a language in the earth. And those nations that were represented understood what they were saying. They were saying something they've never said. And they were hearing something they never heard. Y'all just missed that right there. Because God empowered them to reach every nation under heaven. Two things were happening. That's why Paul said, sometimes I pray in my mind. Sometimes I pray with my spirit. That's why Paul said the spirit 
makes utterances. Are y'all hearing me? The spirit makes a sound that you can't put into words. Why are we scared of the gift? Why are we scared of the Holy Ghost? Because you've been taught that's fanatical. That's emotionalism. It don't take all of that. Come here, Isaiah. If I give you a gift, how hard is it for you to receive it? Give it back to me. Show them again. Is it hard, Isaiah? Not very hard. All you got to do is receive it. Here's the difference. Let me see it again. Some of you have accepted it. Put it in your pocket. Some of y'all have received it. I'm trying to teach you today. Give it back to me. Some of you are accepting that there is a Holy Spirit. I accept that. I, I can... I can tolerate that. I can handle that. I can tolerate that. I can, I can tolerate that. I can handle I can tolerate that. I can handle I can tolerate that. I can handle it. But others of us have said, no, I don't just accept the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you tonight that Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you received it since you accepted it? This is receiving it. This is accepting it. I mean, this, that's, it. that's receiving it. That's accepting it. You receive it when it's yours. People ask me all the time, what's the first sign that someone has been baptized in the Holy Ghost? And old Pentecostalism will tell you they begin to speak with other tongues. Because, buddy, where we came from, Jeff, you was going to speak in tongues. Am I right, Angie? Am I right? Where we came from, no, you going to speak in tongues. Even if I got to get in your ear and tell you, crank my hand, crank my hand, crank my hand, crank my hand, tie my bow tie, tie my bow tie, tie my bow tie. You repeat what I'm saying. Tie my bow tie, tie my bow tie, tie my bow tie. Tie my bow tie. Then they start saying, time of bow tie, time of bow tie. And then you start saying, that's it, that's it, that's it. You got the Holy Ghost. They ain't got no Holy Ghost. They just repeating what you said. You said time of bow tie. They saying time of bow tie. Crank my Honda, crank my Honda, crank my Honda, crank my Honda. Get your neck into it. Crank my Honda, crank my Honda. That's it. You got the Holy Ghost. They ain't got no Holy Ghost. They trying to crank the Honda. And many Pentecostals will teach you that you ain't got the Holy Ghost until you speak in tongues. This is my opinion, my theological discourse. The first sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is love. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and then you shall be what? Witnesses. You can't wait to tell people. Because you love everyone so much that you don't want them to miss what you just, not accepted, what you just received. So before you go off on somebody telling them you ain't got the Holy Ghost until you speak in tongues, why are you so hateful? Why are you speaking in tongues? 
You speaking in tongues and you hating on everybody. I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about that. Church, listen. I'm not here to fabricate anything. I'm not here to manipulate anything. I'm here to educate you. I'm here to educate a generation that has missed out on the power of God that is expressed through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to talk about that power tonight. Tonight the message is called the power of Pentecost. People are going to be healed tonight. People are going to be filled. I heard the Holy Ghost say this. I almost didn't say it because it sounded silly. The Holy Ghost just told me again, you better say it. Tonight people are going to be healed. I said that already. They're going to be filled and they're going to be thrilled. Thrilled. Which means when the Holy Ghost hits you, you get so excited. Can I ask, let's come to the living room. Come on, leave church for a moment. Leave church, leave the sanctuary. Come, come to my living room. Just, just sit down. Let's sit. You're on the couch, not the psychologist's office. Just the living room. And let me ask you a question. I don't want you screaming. I don't want you jumping up. How many of you remember the day you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Just wave your hand to me. Yeah. Now, let me ask you another question. What did it feel like? Don't, don't scream it. What did it feel like to you? Oh, I think somebody said it best. There was no word there. There was just, oh. That was the, you don't need to say nothing else. Because that's the truth. When you receive the Holy Ghost, there's really nothing else to say but, oh, there's nothing like it. When you're 15, and you know you're on a bad road, a really bad road, And your sister will not leave you alone about being saved. She never said, Ricky, you need to be saved. She always said, Ricky, you need to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. That part scared me. Ghost. When she said ghost, I was like, I'm out the back door. I don't care if he's holy or not. He's a ghost. I will never get it I didn't believe in it I would see her speaking in tongues and worshiping crying and I would look at her like Connie you have lost it something bent and she would look at me with tears and she would say you need to be saved Ricky you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I remember my crazy brother Randy, who will be here tonight, he said, me and you ought to go to church. I just looked at him and said, we just got high last night. <laughs> Is that too transparent? <laughs> we just got loaded, bro. Last night, we were loaded. He said, man, I'm telling you, I think we need to go to church, Ricky. Don't you remember when God healed you when you were 12 years old? Yeah, man. We need to go to church. Connie asked us all, okay, I'll go, just to make you stop. We sit as far back as we can sit. 
And the preacher says, come and give your heart to Jesus and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Something grabbed me. I don't even remember exercising my own free will. It's like God said, no, I ain't giving you a chance. And I just started walking. Almost like a zombie to the front. And I look and Randy's right with me. And I remember the preacher, it was full, it was full. He said, just lift your hands. We lifted our hands and he prayed the sinner's prayer and I felt something so clean. I felt like, oh man, everything I've done wrong is washed off me. I could feel it. It was so beautiful. And then he said, and now you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But first, you got to come up here and be baptized. I said, hold on. I'm good. I believe. And Randy said, let's go. I said, are you serious? He said, let's get in that baptism. We went up there and they baptized this man. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. We went down. And when we came up, this is just us. There was something coming out of us that I could not stop my tongue. I could not stop my tongue. And I saw Connie in my mind. And I said, I'm Connie. And I didn't care. My eyes were closed. I was crying. And I could hear God telling me so many things. Like, I love you so much, Ricky. I love you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to really use you to preach. I'm going to use you. I could hear him. And all this was coming out of me, just flowing, flowing, flowing. And I opened my eyes. And it was the brightest day I'd ever seen. It was so bright. And I wanted to hug all 2,500 people in that church. I just wanted to hug them and say, I love you. I don't know you, but I love you so much. And I just feel, Butch, I just feel, Aaron, I just feel like there's a generation that has skipped a step. We've skipped a step. And we treat that like you don't need that. Listen to Pastor Rick. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. The Holy Spirit is real. It's real. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is real. It is real. I can't promise you you're going to speak in tongues, but I can promise you you're going to feel like you've got so much power that the next time that temptation to lust shows up, you're like, I ain't interested. The next time that addiction tries to show up, you're like, no, I'm delivered from that. You got power to overcome.